It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to Week 7 of This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and all of the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, once again with Providence Journal beat writer and Basketball Times contributor and author Kevin McNamara. Kevin's getting kind of interesting around here. Up is down. Forward is backward. Square is round. On is off. We don't know who's playing, who's coming, who's going. The one-time nation's number one team has stumbled a bit of late. A new team has now emerged for now as the Big East leader, but it's not really a new name. I think we know who this team is. Well, we, we don't want to hear from anyone around the country anymore that the Big East is, you know, the Villanova Invitational. Uh, if Villanova is going to win its fifth straight regular season title, it's going to have to work really hard because right now they're trailing Xavier, and Xavier's playing as well as anyone in the country. Xavier is behind by a game and a half in the standings uh, as of midweek this week. And overall, they've got nine straight wins. So for all of the talk of St. John's, we'll get to them in a moment. It's the Musketeers that are starting to really make some noise. Well, the NCAA just came out with its uh, seedings of the top 16 teams, top four. And Xavier's a number one seed, which I think caught some people by surprise. I think the people within the Big East, and certainly you and I, have been paying close attention to the Musketeers. And again, they're playing as well as anyone in the country. And we'll get into this later in the show, uh, John, but the country is jumbled. You know, Villanova lost this week. Other teams around the country in the top five or six have lost in the last couple of weeks. We've seen Michigan State go down. We've seen Purdue go down. We've Duke, seen Duke go down. Duke go down, sure. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's February. February of the dog days of the college basketball season when everyone, everyone yeah. is fighting so hard for a win. Well, speaking of Xavier, in their Wednesday night win uh, at home over Seton Hall, uh, Trevon Blewett went over had uh, – 37 points in that game, but he went over 1,000 career Big East points, which is a significant achievement when you score 1,000 points just in league play. And in his game, no two-point made baskets. He hit eight threes and was a perfect 13 for 13 from the foul line. What is this, the, the death of the mid-range game? I'm just telling you, <laughs> and, man, and, and, man can shoot the ball at Cintas Center. And, and he, he certainly can score in the mid-range, but he went downtown. I actually saw some clips of that. Uh, performance, and he was deep. He was pushing 30 feet on some of his eight three-pointers. All right, well, St. John's, of course, does continue to be one of the better stories in the country, if not one of the better teams over the past two weeks overall. After the 11-game losing streak, the Red Storm have now won four straight of their own, keeping their streak alive with a 77-76 road win at DePaul on Wednesday night, and Shamari Ponce is still leading that charge, Kevin. He certainly is, John. 26 more in the win over uh, DePaul. Had a double-double. 10 assists to go with that, too. Career-high 10 assists. Uh, We're going to have one of his teammates on later in the show, but he's averaging 32 a game throughout this four-game stretch. Uh, Truly one of the most difficult one-on-one players to keep in check in the country. Yeah, Maurice Clark also added a career-high 24 in that one, so a couple of transfers with him and Justin Simon, who will join us later in the program. Well, Xavier is atop the conference standings, as we said, after beating Seton Hall. They're at 12-2. Villanova a game and a half back following a loss at Providence on Wednesday. But the Wildcats have a game in hand left on the schedule with five to play. With the win over Nova, the Friars are tied with Creighton for third in the standings at 8-5. and five. After that, Butler stands at 7-7 seven and seven on a three-game losing skid. The Big East holds the number two spot in conference RPI. Six Big East teams were ranked in the top 45 at the start of this week, eight in the top 67. 
The Big East put a wrap on regular season non-league play this week. 103-23 and against all others. That rings up as an 82% winning percentage. That's the third best one-loss record in 39 years of out-of-conference play and the best mark for the league since the 1980s. And while Shamari Pons has been the Big East Player of the Week the past couple of weeks, well, this week he was also the USBWA National Player of the Week for his exploits on the floor with St. John. So, Kevin, what do we read into all of this right now? Outside of March Madness, perhaps getting started a couple of weeks early around here. Well, th- those are some unbelievable numbers. Uh, right? I love the uh, winning percentage out of conference because that that's what sets you up to get multiple bids. And uh, the Big East remains in very good position to go maybe six, maybe seven deep, depending on what happens down the stretch here. But, you know, th- this is a league where opportunity is around the corner at every moment. You know, Providence is a great example. They really play v- probably their worst game of the season and get knocked around badly at home by DePaul. Wake up the next day and yeah. they prepare for Villanova and sure enough, upset the Wildcats and save their season. You know, you, you, they were a few bounces away from a four or five game losing streak that knocks them out. Instead, they beat Villanova and everything's good again in Friartown. The bottom part of this league, you got DePaul, it's imminently more competitive. They have that road win at Providence to kind of prove that St. John's win streak. How about Georgetown? We can't leave the Hoyas out of the mix. They've been in the bottom three all year long, and now they're threatening themselves potentially uh, to, to climb out of that uh, Wednesday night uh, game at Madison Square Garden. Well, I think what's going to happen, John, is this could cost somebody a bit. You know, when Georgetown goes to Butler, and wins at Hinkle, that damages Butler. When DePaul wins at Providence, that damages the Friars. The team in trouble right now is Seton Hall. They've lost four in a row, uh, and they have DePaul at home next. You know, they have some winnable home games, but challenges too, you know, with DePaul, Butler, and Villanova. Might have to take all three to get their season back up and running here. Well, don't forget, if you have questions on your favorite team, you send them to us. We'll use them on the show. So hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag is T-W-I-T-B-E for this week in the Big East. And don't forget to leave a comment. If you download the podcast on iTunes, we'd appreciate that. You can also listen on Stitcher and Google Play as part of our podcast partners. Well, crunch time is here for just about every team in college basketball. That's certainly the case in the Big East. One constant has been Creighton's play, led by Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas and head coach Greg McDermott has had to overcome another major injury to his team for a second straight season to keep his team in the hunt. He'll tell us how they've done just that next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. At Creighton University, our academic programs are recognized nationally for excellence and innovation. Creighton's outstanding undergraduate research opportunities, internships, and clinicals provide students with a chance to explore, create, and discover new knowledge. With business, law, healthcare, and multiple degree options in the arts and sciences, you will leave Creighton ready to begin your career. And our students form a passionate community ready to contribute something meaningful to the world while in college and after graduation. Visit Creighton.edu to learn more about the Creighton experience. Big East Spotlight. Jays might play for the final shot, maybe. Let's see. Here's Foster. Foster takes the three. It's good! Marcus Foster gives the Jays the lead. 76-75. And a timeout on the floor. Marcus Foster. A three from the right wing with 14 seconds left. 
Creighton is on the verge of another 21 season, currently with 19 wins going into the weekend. They're tied for third in the Big East standings with Providence, but the Blue Jays seem to have had a fair share of adversity to overcome as well. They've had a starter go down to injury and lost for the season for a second straight year. Coach Greg McDermott joins us this week in the Big East. Greg, it's it's almost as if your guys kind of learned a little maybe from losing point guard Maurice Watson a year ago. This year, your guys seem to kind of pick up the slack left by Martin Crumple's absence like they knew what they were doing. I think the emotional part was easier. You know, I, I think, you know, like last year, you feel awful for your teammate uh, that he's not able to play any bit anymore. And, and uh, you know, with Maurice, he was a senior, so maybe it was even more difficult. But I think our guys understood this year that while we can feel sorry for Martin uh, because it was, it's a tough deal to have to go through a, a third time for him, um, we have to move on as a team as quickly as we can. So I don't think there's any easy way to do that, especially, you you know, you lose your leading shot blocker, your leading rebounder, and third leading scorer. It's going to have an impact on your team. But our, our guys have done the best they, they can do, uh, given the circumstances that uh, that we're facing. And uh, somehow we have to try to finish this thing off. we got five important games left. Greg, it seems as if uh, the coaches in the Big East and, and really every conference like to say that their league is the best in the country, top to bottom. And yet, you know, by the this time of the year, there's always a couple bottoms that that just aren't fighting back. Your last two Big East games kind of wipe that out. You win at DePaul by one against the quote bottom, and you lose at the buzzer uh, to Xavier, who's at the top. What does that say about the league and and what you'd have to go through the rest of the season here? I was talking with someone the other day just about the you know the the bottom of our league and what's happening. Uh, you know, you don't see. Very often, as you mentioned, a lot of times when it gets this late in the season, you're two-thirds of the way through conference play. The teams that really, you know, there's not a light at the end of the tunnel anymore, a lot of times they pack it in. And to to see how well that St. John's and Georgetown have played, and, you know, nobody's talking about DePaul, but DePaul is a much improved team. Uh, you know, they, they we beat them on a last-second shot. They lose... Uh, you know, they go on the road and, and uh, you know, win at Providence, and then they lose a close one to St. John's last night. So, you know, we have three teams down there that are playing great basketball, and, you know, nobody's going to question the top of our league. Obviously, there's only four number one seeds as of today, and, and our league has two of them. So it's just well-balanced, and it's it's hard to win games. It's it's especially hard to win on the road, but it's it's not easy to win at home either. If you if you don't hook it up and you're not ready, you're going to get beat, and, and uh, you know, the balance across our league and the strength of the middle and the strength of the bottom, I think, is really what sets us apart. Greg, let's jump into your team for just a minute, and I think most anybody that follows Creighton at all knows that uh, you, you've got an unbelievable uh, scoring guard in, in Marcus Foster and can fill it up whenever you seem to need it, and he's a reliable guy when you need offense, that kind of thing. You've got a bunch of guys obviously can shoot, but the guy that I want to ask you about is Kyrie Thomas. Here's a guy that, you know, he was co-defensive player of the year in the Big East last year, and when you seem to get him involved on either end, whether it's offense or defense, early in a game, you guys are awful tough to come back on. What is Kyrie Thomas's real importance to your team? Well, I think what he does the best is certainly he's 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 in the elite of the elite. I think on the defensive end of the floor in terms of wings in, in the country. Uh, you know, as you look at what he's done to some of the best players in our league and some of the really good players on good teams uh, in the non-conference por- portion of our schedule, it's it's really been incredible. Uh, you know how he's able to shut guys down and make them take tough shots, and you know their points per game, their percentages are all considerably down uh, when he's matched up with them. So, you know that's first and foremost. And then secondly, he's he's become a very reliable offensive player. He can make a three, he can get to the rim. Obviously, he creates some offense with his defense. 
and his leadership, uh, along with with Marcus and Toby Hegner and Tyler Clement, has been really, really good for us, and you know, kept us moving the right direction through some tough times this year. Uh, you know, we we expected to have Justin Patton back probably at, at least in January of last year, and and uh, mm-hmm. so now not only you're without him, you're without Martin Krampel. Uh so you're you're really thin in the front line, and our leadership's done a great job of of making sure we're moving in the right direction, and certainly Kyrie's a big part of that. Greg, we do have to ask you, obviously, about Marcus. I, I think he's been the most consistent player maybe in the Big East. You, know, you put him up against really anybody else in the league. He's, he really hasn't had many bad games at all. Uh, it, it seems like more of a leader this year. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, there's no question his leadership has improved. And, you know, he, he was really forced into it last year when Maurice went down. He and Kyrie really had to... You know, probably step into a role that uh, they weren't totally comfortable with, but we had to. They had to do it, and I think that helped them to see what was coming this year. And and from the jump, they've done a great job. Uh, and you know, Marcus is a father now. His girlfriend and his daughter are here in town with him, and that's that's become you know priority number one in his life. And and he understands that you know basketball is a way uh, for him to hopefully make a living for a while uh, and support his family. And uh, you know his, his decision making with the shot selection has improved. His assisted turnover numbers are better. Uh, you know across the board, his field goal percentage, his three point percentage is all 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 career highs for him. And he's had some really good years. So you know we we need him to be a shot maker for us, and he's done an incredible job for us. And certainly we wouldn't be where we are without him. Greg, what are the scouts saying about him? Uh, you know, he's going to be one of those quote seniors who the NBA doesn't seem to like. But man, you know, he he clearly can score. Yeah, and I, I think that's exactly why they're intrigued. And uh, you know, last year I think a lot of them had questions about his ability to understand what's a good shot and what's a great shot and what's a bad shot. And I think he's really improved in that regard. Uh, you know, he's getting to the rim. Uh, you know, as much as he as he ever has in his career. So he's added that to his game. Uh, you know, the the challenge for Marcus will be as he moves to the next level is defensively, you know, proving that he can guard a point guard and an off guard in the NBA. And, you know, there's no doubt in my mind he's he's going to get the opportunity to go in and have tryouts this, this spring, um, you know, and also get on a summer league team and have a chance to, to earn his stripes. So when you can score the basketball like that and, and shoot it with range like Marcus can, I think there's always an opportunity for you to play at the next level. Creighton's head coach Greg McDermott joining us this week in the Big East. Interested in a little insight here, Coach. We we know that from you know game to game, week to week, the blinders are on just like a racehorse. You, you've got to focus on what's immediately ahead of you, and we understand that. You try to coach that, convey that to your kids. But because of the, the jumbled nature of college basketball right now with everything that's kind of going on uh, and, and teams getting popped left and right, you've already spoken to the depth at the bottom of the Big East as well. How much do you guys pay attention to what's going on around you over the course of the season? Uh, you know, you really can't. Uh, you, you have to try to stay uh, in the moment and, and try to win the day the best you can. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things going on in college basketball. As you know, There's it seems like there's an upset every day. And, uh, you know, we're at the time of the year where, you know, we're within a month of Selection Sunday, so certainly the, the conversation shifts uh, to who's in and who's out and who's on the bubble and who's – first team in and last team out and everything that goes with that so if, if you take care of of the of the task at hand i think all those things take care of itself and you know our our goal is always to be playing meaningful games at the end of february and in this league if, if you're playing meaningful games uh and you figure out a way to win some of those that the ncaa tournament's going to take care of itself because our league is so strong and i think we're so well respected throughout the country and obviously you have you have 
multiple chances for for great wins, and uh, you know we have a lot of those left on our schedule. Well, I, I like your chances to be in the tournament. The, the question, <laughs> Greg, is between now and. Uh, whatever the date is in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, uh, what do you need to do to be more prepared to advance? Uh, you know, very, very different team than last year. So I think you've done a great job turning over your roster, but it does present, you know, obviously some challenges. Well, our challenge is, is certainly in the front line. You know, we, we made the decision to, to pull Jacob Epperson's red shirt after, you know, 20 some games, which I've never done before in my coaching career, but we just felt that uh, it's really necessary for us to have a chance to, you know, to be successful as we as we close out the Big East portion of our schedule into the Big East tournament and then hopefully to the NCAA tournament. You know, he puts pressure on the rim. He can get out and run and transition, and and he and he provides some much needed depth inside and and allows us to get Toby Hegner off the full floor some so that we don't run him into the ground uh, because you know he's really become. A, you know, one of our only dependable, uh, you know, at at the at that center position. So, you know, that's that's the decision we decided to make. That we think, you know, we're we were certainly forward looking with that decision, trying to think if this could help us down the road. A very unselfish decision by Jacob and his family, willing to do that. And uh, you know, we've been able to get him some quality minutes, and and he's getting better with each passing day. Creighton head coach Greg McDermott. Well, who's hot? We got the big shots as well as the hot shots from the guys who call them as they see them. That's next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives, and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep, and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Who's hot? Bridges lost it. Picked up by Lindsay. Dumps it off for Bullet. Bullet kicks it out to Cartwright. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh three oh. is good. Holy moly. That was a 30-footer. Timeout. Nova. Thompson in transition. Martin steps into a three. Yes! Keelan Martin and the Bulldogs firing from beyond the arc. Up top, Howard. Long three. Booyah! As soon as it left his hands, he knew it. Wow. Bounce pass, baseline, Pons with four seconds and two. Three to uh, ball. Good! Jamari Pons hits the home run shot from the near side. And St. John's goes ahead 77-73. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara, Player of the Week. Second straight week for Shamari Pons. We mentioned a little bit earlier in the program, Shamari was also the U.S. Basketball Writers Association National Player of the Week for this past week. 35 points in leading St. John's to a big win at then-number one Villanova, and they had 26 more, five rebounds, five assists in that game. Saturday's game against Marquette, Pons, 44 big ones, and then in the road win at DePaul, 26 more, Kev. You know, St. John's is calling this the magical February run. I can't disagree, and it's certainly led by Shamari Pons. He's the hottest player in the country. Uh, and again, I compare him to Isaiah Thomas, the uh, former Celtic, uh, Cavalier, now Laker. Just very, very difficult little guy to keep in check when he gets rolling. 
He shot 56% from the floor, also shot 50% from three-point range. If you got somebody that can put a glove on him, you need to get him out there right now because this guy's dominating. Well, John, at some point, teams have to you know take the ball out of his hands, you know, double-team him. I think people are trying everything right now. You have to he's, run him off the ball. It's and, very, yeah, yeah. But he's still putting done. up the numbers, yeah. which is really impressive. Big East freshman of the week, Jamarco Pinkett from Georgetown. Now, Pickett averaged, I keep saying Pinkett, it's Pickett, mm-hmm. P-I-C-K-E-T-T if you haven't heard of him. He's averaged 12 and a half points, five rebounds in a one-and-one week for the Hoyas, but he had a big game in Georgetown's win over Seton Hall last Saturday, 18 points, three rebounds, and two blocks. Pickett is one of the late comers, surprises perhaps even, in the Big East for young players. He is, he, he is, and you know, he was a true Patrick Ewing recruit. Obviously, uh, Ewing got the job last spring, and Pickett was still available. Yeah. Uh, one of the hottest uh, recruits still left on the on the pile last uh, spring, and a, a really great pickup. Combining Pickett with Marcus Derrickson and Jesse Govan has made uh, Georgetown a really tough out. Well, can you can you see now where Patrick Ewing's influence is starting to rub off on that team? Well, and it, Pickett is a great example. Just look at him: long, athletic, can run. Uh, it's a type of shorter version of his head coach yeah. from thirty years well, ago. Well, you know who he reminds me of a little bit is Patrick's son. We remember yeah, it was six Patrick eight, Jr., you know, sure. six eight yeah. long, you know, yeah. skilled, uh, or maybe a uh, you know poor man's Reggie Williams back at, back in the Patrick Ewing days. You right. know, those long athletic forwards. I'm sure that's exactly what Patrick's looking for. Good memory on that one. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line. Yeah. All right. As far as the Big East honor roll is concerned, Keelan Martin with Butler averaged 32 points in games against Xavier and Villanova, had 34-7 and seven in an overtime loss to Xavier. He had 30 points in a defeat at Villanova. But for Butler to continue to show itself as a playoff-worthy team, Martin's got to lead the way. Don't even think he's not going to. Uh, very consistent player, and I know you're going to jump to two more consistent seniors here you know, stop the voting. Their first team all Big East. Yeah, Marcus Foster of Creighton, also on the honor roll. He averaged 29 points and four and a half rebounds for the Blue Jays over the week. Marin Mark of DePaul is a guy that we haven't talked a lot about because he's a graduate transfer, came from Northern Illinois. But Marek's play in the post, very active, good rebounding, great touch around the basket. He is certainly a huge key to DePaul's competitiveness overall. Well, it's funny, in the non-conference, I think people noticed, wow, DePaul has an excellent transfer in Max Struess, and he's you know, certainly is, and he's still playing well. Mark has taken a little bit longer to pop, but he's popped right now. He also had 15 points and nine rebounds, almost another double-double uh, in the in the narrow loss to St. John's. And our two other players on the honor roll this week, Jalen Brunson, who else, from Villanova, 27.5 points in a one-in-one week. And then Karim Cantor of Xavier, who is another one of those graduate transfer seniors from Wisconsin Green Bay that has really solidified the toughness in the middle of that Musketeer team. You know, this is how deep uh, Xavier is. Cantor is, is kind of their low-post scorer right now. He did not score in the win over Seton Hall. I, I find that incredible. And they scored 102. That's, <laughs> well, I don't what know does what, that tell you about their explosiveness, though, right? And depth. You know, uh, obviously, uh, Cantor is, is a very valuable player and wouldn't shock me at all if he comes back and scores 20 points against Villanova on uh, Saturday. And yet uh, they still score over 100. Very explosive team. The 2018 Big East Men's Basketball Tournament is just weeks away. And for the 36th consecutive year, Big East Men's Basketball Tournament will be played in New York City March 7th through 10th at the world's most famous arena. It's the mecca of college basketball, Madison Square Garden. You can be there. Don't miss your chance to go because it's easy. Go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for tickets and for information.
Well, maybe there's a team or two somewhere else hotter than St. John's, but considering who the Johnnies have beaten the past couple of weeks, you'd be hard-pressed to find a team with a more spectacular in-season turnaround for sure. One of the guys instrumental in the Red Storm's resurgence, Justin Simon, joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Big East Focus. Brunson long range straight from the right side. No good. This is history. Call your friends, folks. Guess what? If you didn't think that the win over fourth-ranked Duke Saturday at Madison Square Garden was not good enough, get a load of this. Here's your headline from Philadelphia as St. John's defeats the number one team in the country, 79-75. St. John's play over the past two weeks has been memorable, to say the least. It's also been pretty good, to say the most. And while Shamari Pons has had his turns driving the bus, he's got some teammates also figuring quite prominently into the winning mix, including Justin Simon. He joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Justin, first of all, we got to congratulate you on the current run because you guys did hold off DePaul to win Wednesday night on the road. But what I want to know is, is what happened? Was there a seminal moment, something that really sticks out in your mind to turn this season around for you guys before the Duke game? You no, know, I mean, I just think we uh, lost in every way you can think of. Uh, we lost by just either us turning the ball over or getting a bad shot or missing free throws or defensive uh, breakdowns. So, I mean, we've lost every kind of way. So, I think that whenever we got put in a position where we've been in before, that we knew we would uh, come out um, with the with the victory. And I think we got put in a, a good spot with Duke uh, to finish the game out, and we all knew what we had to do. And after that, you know, we, we just took off from then. We, we can play with anybody in the country. And then we had to Villanova, then Marquette, then DePaul. And um, so now we're everyone, you know, we're all getting it. We're all clicking on uh, both ends. Justin, it's often most difficult to just get out of bed, come to practice day after day when you're losing. You know, 0-11 is a deep, deep hole. Can you just talk yeah, about sure. the, the, you know, the, the willingness to keep at it? Uh, and maybe maybe because you had so many games left, obviously you're not going to stop playing, mm-hmm. but w- what was it yeah. that brought every brought everybody back day after day? Uh, our, our coaching staff was amazing. You know, they handled, uh, you know, that, little, that, that tough time amazing. I mean, yeah, like we just – we are to stay positive. Uh, we were in, you know, eight of those, maybe even, you know, yeah, actually, yeah, we were in eight of those eleven mm-hmm. uh, losses. I mean, uh, we, within like single digits, five points at, at the most. Uh, so I mean, we we were in every game, just staying with it. Uh, you know, we knew that eventually we were going to pull through. And uh, like I said, I think, like I said, we uh we lost everywhere we could, and guys just you know started to put it together, and we all knew what we had to do to win. Well, Justin, as a as someone who's been around now for a couple of years, I mean, this is a redshirt sophomore year for you after a transfer, but you clearly have seen the highs and seen the lows. So were you able to offer any advice, especially to the younger guys on this team, and as to how to play it through? And what kind of advice was Coach Mullen giving you guys? I mean, we, me, uh, me, Marvin, Tariq, um, you know, we we all lead um, in different ways. And we just, you know, telling everybody to stay, stay with it, stay the course, uh, stay positive. Um, I mean, and we know it's, it's tough like that. It's, it's easier said than done. But I mean, we were, you know, guys are still getting in the gym, 
um, you know, working on their game and stuff like that, and just just staying on the course, uh, staying, you know, sticking to the script. And then uh, Coach Mullen and uh, the staff, they just like they said, just stay, you know, stay positive. Uh, you know, these these losses are, are going to help us uh, uh, moving forward, and you know, eventually, you know, we're going we're gonna to find a way and pull through and bring along some wins. And you know, we've, we've been doing that. You know, Justin, I always think that for transfers, it's difficult to just jump right in and get going, no matter how productive your sit-out year was. You guys have two transfers, yourself and Marvin, as you said. And to blend with someone like Shamari can take some time because, obviously, he's a ball-dominant point guard, you know, elite scorer, one mm-hmm. of the better scorers in the country. Uh, maybe Did that take a while? And, you know, how smooth are you guys now? I see last night that the three of you combined for 11 of 19 three-pointers, so it looks like things are going pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that that, that sit out year, um, you know, it, it really helped uh, sitting out with Marvin, you know, having, you know, a partner and, um, you know, someone I can build chemistry with uh, on the scout team and just working out, stuff like that. Um, and just, you know, the, the, this summer was big, uh, you know, working uh, working out and playing pickup with uh, Shamari and just getting, you know, getting our feel down. And, uh, but, I mean, I think we clicked instantly. Um, our, our, just our natural feel and, um, just our ability to both be able to play, you know, and Marcus too, uh, be able to play on and off the ball. I um, mean, we all clicked. And then, um, you know, when, when um, Marcus went down, you know, that, that just, uh, you know, next man up. And um, we all had to really just find our uh, our groove as far as offensively. And I think uh, we're, we're, we're all uh, finding a way to put it all together. And you're talking about Marcus Lavette, who, for those that don't uh, are not aware, lost him to a knee injury just before conference play started. Justin Simon, St. John's redshirt sophomore guard, visiting with us this week in the Big East. So tell us something that we don't know about Shamari Ponce. What have you learned about Shamari and his ability? As Kevin said, he's a ball-dominant point guard, and he's probably one of the best one-on-one guys in the country. But tell us something that we don't know about him that you've discovered by playing with him. Man, something you guys don't know. <laughs> Cause we can see uh, it. He's got good speed. He I was can shoot. Say, yeah. I was. I, I mean, I, he he he's putting on a show every night. I mean, he's uh, putting up numbers offensively and uh, defensively. He's got he's got one of the best hands in the country. I feel. Um, so I'm, I mean, I th- I feel like that goes unnoticed. Uh, he he has uh, unbelievable hands. But uh, but if, you know he knows how to play the passing lanes and on ball he applies pressure and. You know, he, he he gets us out and gets us out and going. I like that. So he he's got hands and he can play a little defense yeah. in spite of the offensive numbers. That's good. Oh yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he, he can score with the best of them. Uh, like you said, I I think he's one of the best one on one players in in the country as well. So I mean, uh, having a guy like that on my team, uh, I told I told him I get caught up being a fan and just watching him, <laughs> you know, ISO and go to work and, and score. And uh, especially sometimes when I when I be tired out there, I just I, I really enjoy uh, having him as a teammate, and uh, he's been nothing but amazing. Justin, I call him the Isaiah Thomas of the Big East. You know, he plays like Isaiah. He's Isaiah's size, uh, yeah. left-handed. Just when he get <laughs> when he gets rolling, get out of the way. He's averaging mm-hmm. he's averaging yeah, yeah. he's averaging thirty two point two in your four game winning streak. By the way, uh, Justin, a little bit about yourself. I'm you know, I'm uh, every bucket of it. Yes, you have. <laughs> From Temecula, California, you go to Arizona. Tell me how you landed at St. John's, and obviously that's that's quite an adjustment for a California kid. Yeah, I mean, to me, um, really just coast or whatever that that, that doesn't really uh, play a play a role. Um, as far as my decision, I know I'm a West Coast kid in the East, but um, uh, St. John's really uh, it sold itself. I mean, you think about it, two Hall of Famers on the staff. Um, you know, the rest of the staff. You know, everyone's great guys. Uh, Greg St. Jean, Coach Dan, um, Coach Matt. And then um, 
just the the university itself. Uh, you know, the New York is, is. I just felt like it was just a big opportunity um, as far as like uh, you know after college, uh, just networking and um, just New York is just like I said, a big opportunity. And then um, just playing, you know, in the Big East, that's a big stage. Um, playing, in, you know, playing on uh, my home games in the Garden. Um, that you know that played a big role and uh, just you know big opportunity uh, with St. John and I just I felt like that was you know that was a, that was a place for me and then when I took my visit with Marvin um, and just having that you know sit out partner um, you know me and him talking about you know going through uh, the times together and working on our game and getting better and uh, turning turning this thing around um, so I mean that, that that just played a everything everything that I just listed was. Mm-hmm. Why, why I decided to come here. Justin, one more for you. And, and uh, I'm just kind of wondering here, uh, as you look at your team and the landscape, you got five, six games left in the regular season <laughs> overall. Other than yourself and Shamari Pons, who needs to come up big on your team right now for St. John's to be where they should be, where you feel like you should be at the end of the season, and that's in the postseason? Um, I think uh, our, our starting five, uh, we've all done a, done a great job, I feel, uh Besides me, Marvin and uh, Shamori, Tariq and uh, Bashir, uh, I played amazing um, as well. I think uh, we just when we get into our bench, uh, Brian Trimble and uh, Kasum Yakwe uh, and, and Amar, you know, when they when they uh, come off the bench for us and give us you know that spark, uh, you know, that if if they come off um, on fire and uh, able to guard and, and knock down shots, and you know, Kasum's playing with a high motor, you know, I think we'll be a really uh, really deep team and. I, I think if, if if they come up big, we I like our chances of uh, every game moving forward. St. John's, Justin Simon. Well, is this suddenly muddied middle in the Big East a good thing or a bad thing as we at college basketball stretch run? We'll ask that question of a guy who's been around the Big East for a while, covering a lot of craziness after his own big-time career. Fox Sports' Len Elmore shares his insight next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. National Perspective. Diallo, left side, Bullock for three. Yeah! Rodney's in the zone. Welcome back, Rodney. That confidence going. Rodney Bullock hands the three. Flyers back up by seven. Three weeks to play until we get to the Garden for the Big East Tournament. The picture not only isn't clearing up, it's becoming a bit fuzzier. Is it possible a team or two may be in line for postseason play today? And then out of that line by the end of the year. Well, Len Elmore has covered the Big East for Fox Sports 1. He joins us this week in the Big East. Len, based on what you've seen this season, especially over the last couple of weeks, is it possible for someone to play their way out of things or uh, play their way into things from the bottom of the league? Well, I will say this, that um, the one team that seems to be playing their way out is Seton Hall. I mean, they've lost four in a row, uh, below 500 in the conference, and they just seem to be falling apart, which is you know highly irregular for a team that's so senior laden. So I, I really, you know, obviously hoping for their sake that they can kind of right the ship a little bit. Uh, I believe their next game is against DePaul, which is down towards the bottom. And may and it's at home, so maybe they have an opportunity to kind of get back to 500 and maybe take it from there. Uh, another team that's in danger, but right now I don't think that that can be an issue for them. But who knows? It's Butler at seven and seven. 
Um, they've lost three in a row. And so those two teams, you know, have a ways to go in order to solidify their uh, tournament chances. But, you know, it all begins with their next game. They've got to be able to start a winning streak. Len, let's go to the top of the league. Uh, Xavier is as hot as anyone in the country with a nine-game winning streak. And uh, Villanova is Villanova. You know, stubbed their toe at Providence. But you got to give credit to the Friars. They played very well in, in a really, yep. really difficult environment. I, I know that you're calling the game of the weekend uh, with uh, Xavier and Villanova. Just uh, in your mind, how's it going to play out? Well, uh, you know, Xavier obviously undefeated at home. Uh, they've won 16 straight. That place, Centos Center, is you know, really, really conducive for them to play with a lot of emotion since their fans are so passionate and it's such an intimate environment. And Villanova, again, they're still hurting trying to find themselves. I mean, the, the injuries and the reinsertion of players and the loss of a Phil Booth, uh, Eric Pascal's trying to get himself together from concussion protocol. I mean, Jay Wright's had to deal with a lot in order to kind of stay within their team personality, but. You know, I, I still believe it'll be a close game because, uh, again, uh, Nova is not going to go away on the road. You know, they're 7-2 and two on the road. They're not going to just go away. But, but I think Xavier right now, as you mentioned, the hottest team in the conference and maybe one of the hottest in America. They, they just find a way to win at home. And uh, Trayvon Blewett has been spectacular. Uh, so, you know, if one guy certainly can get them started and ignite them for Xavier, the rest of those guys follow. It's, it's going to be an uphill battle for Nova. Len, here's the unfair question because uh, I think people turn on the TV every night. They watch, you know, they watch Duke, they watch Maryland, they watch UCLA, they watch everybody around the country, they watch the Big East. And, you know, there's not a lot of teams where you say, wow, they are outstanding. That That is a loaded team. They're a Final Four team. And and I think you'd probably put Villanova and Xavier in that class. Very good teams, but far from invincible. Do you agree with that take around the country? Oh, absolutely. There is not one dominant team. I mean, the number one team in the country got named number one after losing at home. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Tells you something. Um, you know, and Virginia is one of those teams that, that they can play lockdown defense, but if they can't score, as evidence in their Virginia Tech overtime loss, I mean, they're going to have some problems. And as you mentioned, there are teams that are explosive enough once the tournament starts uh, where one or two guys can kind of carry them through. Uh, for a team like Duke, I kind of fear for their youth, and that's been uh, their Achilles heel. And over the years, when you take a look at Duke, you know, in the last 15 years, yeah, they have two championships, two national championships, three Final Fours, but they've also had three first-round exits, two second-round exits, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're playing teams with double-digit seeds that have upperclassmen and 50-year seniors. It's kind of men against boys. So, you know, you have those issues coming into play as well, but you know, that's the beauty of this tournament, more so than at any time. You know, you can call it balance, you can call it parity, but without a dominant team, you know, it's kind of anybody's guess about 10 teams that could possibly win this thing. Len Elmore, Fox College basketball analyst, joining us this week in the Big East. Len, I'm going to kind of go off topic for just a second and refer to something you mentioned a couple of moments ago. You talked about having to go through concussion protocol, and we've had two teams uh, hampered by that over the last few weeks. Uh, you, we talked about Eric Paschal from Villanova, Jalen Lindsay from Providence also went through a concussion protocol, if you will. As someone who played the game for a number of years like you did at a very high level, are you glad to see sports move in this direction where attention is being paid to concussive issues? and considering the pressure to get back out on the floor because your teams need you to play, are we doing the right thing by these by these student-athletes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, it's about the health 
safety and welfare of student athletes. That's what this game should be all about, and it should have been about that for for years on end. Um, I think we're finally getting the message that in the end, winning is not nearly as important as uh, the safety of, of these young men and, and and young women. And the bottom line is that eventually you'll get over it. Uh, you have to have teams that can withstand, you know, the loss of a player for a period of time. That that notwithstanding, the priority has to be on health. And, and I think um, that teams that can keep people out when they still demonstrate some kinds of symptoms. Um, and are willing to do so without any pressure, you know, are principled teams, and that's what we need. We need more principle in the game. So, Len, how many concussions did you play with yeah. back, in, back in the day? That was the next question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. We didn't have a concussion protocol back right. then. I, right. I guess maybe judging from uh, the way I am now mentally, who knows? I might have <laughs> No, I'm serious. I, I think that uh, I was fortunate to, to escape uh, those types of situations. I did have other injuries, knees, uh, broken bone in the foot, that type of thing. But I was fortunate enough that, you know, I didn't have anything that uh, made me susceptible to kind of brain injury. Len, as you take a look at the the national perspective here, and, and Kevin, you guys talked earlier about how this team, this league has two potential number ones in it right now. Where are where's the where's the top competition coming from? Where are the other leagues that could actually bump out? You know, maybe some of the middle teams in the Big East coming from in your estimation right now. It's hard to say. I, I think you know the put it this way: the West Coast Conference will get an extra team, man. I mean, the winner of, of that conference, either Gonzaga, Gonzaga, or St. Mary's. You know, one of them will steal a bid. I think um, possibly in the uh, in the Mountain West, where right now it seems that. Uh, you know, uh, you got some teams that that are playing very well. Um, I, I'm really looking at uh, teams like the, the um, ACC, where you know you got some middle teams that people may give more credit to than not. Where competitively, it might knock some teams out. But right now, for the uh, Big East, you know, I think Xavier, Villanova, Creighton, Providence, and probably Butler are the teams that, at least up to Providence, are probably comfortable where they are. Butler probably needs to do a little more work, and Seton Hall needs and Marquette need to do a lot more work. And, and that's really what it comes down to. I'm not sure Marquette will get over the hump at 14 and 11 and three games under 500. Uh, but, you know, those are the teams that, that are in jeopardy of having some of the other conferences, as I mentioned, you know, knock teams out. Um, you know, obviously the Big 12, people think that's the strongest conference in America right now, and you know they have some some middle of the road teams and uh, the Big Ten. I also forgot about Nebraska, which is a team that you know could get over the hump as well and ultimately nudge out you know a, a Butler or a Seton Hall if, if push came to shove. I don't have evaluations in front of me as far as quadrant one, quadrant two wins, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, off the top of my head, that's kind of the guess I'm making. Fox Sports, Len Elmore. Who's got next? The big games, the big matchups, the big upsets, maybe more on the way. We've got that next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American development model to prevent overuse injuries. 
Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash wellbeing to learn more. Who's got next? Samuels with the rebound. Back out. Gillespie open three left wing. He's got it. One point game. 23.2 seconds to go. Timeout Villanova. Cats are right there. Why do you... John Rook with Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. And, of course, this weekend, there's a big one. It's a top-five matchup for the second time since the reconfiguration of the Big East Conference. Two top-five teams going at each other, Nova at Xavier, this week for the first time since 2016 for top-fives. Tough ticket at the Sintas Center in Cincinnati. No two ways about that Ooh. with uh, you know Xavier's playing, again, as we've said, as hot as any team in the country with a nine-game winning streak. Things did not go well the first time around for the Musketeers. 89-65 Villanova, but I'm sure that seems like a long time ago to both teams. Yeah, well, if history is any indication, Xavier should be okay because they won that previous top-five matchup back in 2016 playing on their home floor when both teams were Top five ranked teams. Also on Saturday, Providence visits Hinkle Fieldhouse against Butler. Friars did some great things to their resume by beating Villanova this week. Is Butler struggling at seven and seven? Well, I would say Butler needs this game a little more than Providence. You know, Providence they've again, lost three in a row. They've lost three in a row. They're at home, uh, and this would be a sweep for Providence because they beat uh, the Bulldogs uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. So, uh, I think a big one for uh, Butler. Marquette also playing at Creighton this weekend, and if Marquette wants to get itself, you know, perhaps even back onto the bubble, be a big to get a road win right there for the Golden Eagles. Next Tuesday, Creighton is on the road at Butler, and it seems like every game almost has knockout capabilities, Kevin. Wednesday, it's a heck of a triple header this next week. First of all, Seton Hall plays at Providence, and you mentioned earlier in the show, Seton Hall right now is the one team that's reeling and can really use wins in a big way to help rebolster their chances. Seton Hall has six Big East wins. I think the magic number for them, because they, they did some damage in the non-conference, is 9-9. Nine and nine. Obviously, 10-8 and eight would, would, would really put them in good stead. Their schedule the rest of the way, DePaul, at Providence, at St. John's, Villanova, Butler. Ooh. I don't know if there's four there. So, uh, you know, obviously winning at Providence would really be a big one for the Pirates. And that means that would give them the sweep over Providence. You also have Xavier playing at Georgetown, and I would not discount Georgetown at home, especially with the way their front line is playing. And St. John's will try to continue its magic looking for a fifth straight win. They'll play at Marquette. I'm sure the storm is like, we don't want a week off. A week off. <laughs> Let's we, keep playing. We don't need a week off. Know, right? we, we want Shamari to, to keep going. No question. So we'll see what they can do and stay on the road. At Marquette. Well, don't forget, if you're still looking for more Big East Hoop news, tune in each week live with Big East Shootaround. It's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. And Shootaround features coaches and player interviews from around the league every week. So send in your questions. You can even send those hot takes uh, by social media every week. The hashtag is BE Shootaround to be featured on the show. And if you'd like to send questions to us that we can discuss here on This Week in the Big East, the hashtag is TwitMe, T-W-I-T. B-E. So send us those questions. We'll attack them here on the program. Our thanks this week to Creighton's Greg McDermott, St. John's guard Justin Simon, and Fox Sports' Len Elmore for joining us. Our thanks also go out to the flagship radio stations at St. John's, at Providence, at Xavier, among others, for their assistance this week and providing all of that sound that brings us just a little closer to all these big moments in these games as we hit the stretch run. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Hey, if you like what you hear, make sure you let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes 
You can also hit us up on Twitter. Retweet us, why don't you? I'm at JR Broadcaster. Kevin is at Kevin McNamara33. We'll be back same time next week, this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.